Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. We're in Mark chapter 6 tonight, and we're talking about Jesus, our example. So, so Jesus, this evening we're going to take a look at this question. Are you willing to be used? Are you willing to be used? A lot has taken place so far in the ministry of Jesus. John the Baptist, again, has been beheaded. But at the same time, that's going on. His disciples are being sent out to preach the gospel. Sometimes you can get exhausted in the ministry. Sometimes you can get worn out. And there's times that we want to just step back and say, okay, enough is enough. But we need to understand that God wants us to be used. And the choice is ours. If you want to be used by God to reach other people, if you want to be used by God in the kingdom, then he will use you. And he'll give you opportunities to touch other people's lives. Years ago, I had a dear friend. His name was Tom. Tom came to our church when our church was very, very young. Uh, We had... Uh, probably our second year of ministry, and Tom came. Tom was an executive at a at a uh, local television station, and Tom just came. He wanted to hear the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, and and he was just eager to hear truth. Uh, he would come. He would be taking notes while I'm preaching and teaching, and uh, he was much he was much older than me, uh, but he really liked the Bible teaching and really wanted to get into uh, into the Word of God and really wanted to study the Word of God. So Tom would say to me, Dave, our pastor, he said, I just want to, I just want to, I want to study the Word of God because I want to be used. I really want to be used. I really want to, he'd say, Pastor, pray that God will use me. Pray that God will use me. And, And I don't know what he thought that meant in his mind, but he kept saying, I just want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. Tom had five children. He had a wonderful wife, five sons. In fact, they were very, very busy all, all the time. And, uh, uh, but he, he kept saying to me, I want to be used. But then, at the same time, he would complain to me about this was going on, and I had this demand in my life, and this demand in my life. One day, we were sitting in my front yard. Uh, We had several uh, church families over, and we were sitting in my front yard. I, at that time, had a carport. We're sitting under the carport, and he came up a little late, and he came up, and I I said, what's uh, what's happening, Tom? You look a little distressed. He said, "Ah, listen. He said, pray for me. I'm so tired of being used. I said, what? He said, oh, people just use you and use you and use you. I said, I said, Tom, look at me. And he looked at me and I said, I said, Tom, you are all the time asking me to pray that God will use you. He said, I want God. He said this. He said, I want God to use me. I'm just tired of being used by people. You need to understand if God uses you, he's going to use you in the lives of people. And every time somebody asks you to do something, every time you have an opportunity to interact with somebody, every time you have an opportunity to to minister, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's neighbors, you are being used of God. The question is whether or not we're willing to be used. This is a very interesting story that we're going to look at here, a true story in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts in verse 30. Again, we've just read the narrative of, of, the, of uh, the John the Baptist and, and his life and his death. He goes back to the story of the apostles, and the Bible says this. Now, they had gone out. They were preaching. They were on this preaching uh, crusade. They come back, and the Bible says in verse 30, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and they told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So they're coming back, and they're reporting to Jesus everything they taught and everything they did. Uh, It's so important that we understand that God wants us to answer to him, that we're going to come back, and we will answer to him just as they did. The Bible says this, 
Now, they've been traveling, they've been preaching, all this stuff's been going on. So Jesus looks at them and he says unto them, come ye apart into a desert place. Now, that doesn't mean like a desert like we have out here. People ask me, what's Las Vegas like? I say, we've got the greatest beach in the world. No water, but a lot of beach. Uh, Come yourself apart into a desert place. It just means a place that is away from others. It's like like a huge park area. It's it's where people went to relax. uh, But nobody's out there. He says, let's go apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there are... There were many coming and going, and they had no leisure. They, there was no relaxation, so much as to eat. They didn't even have time to eat because people were coming, and they were demanding. Uh, they were wanting. They'd heard about him. They wanted, they wanted to hear from him. So he says, let's leave. Let's go to this desert place. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. So they, they, they get in a ship and they, or a, a boat, a big enough boat for them to, ha- to have an inner compartment, and they go into this boat and they take off to go to this place where they can get alone, uh, get alone. The Bible says, and, and, and the people saw them departing, and when they knew him, uh, and many knew him, and ran a foot thither out of all the cities and went and out went them and came together unto him. So they said, Jesus said, let's go get in this boat where people can't follow us and we'll go over to this deserted place or this place that in the wilderness where we can be alone and we can get some rest. And Luke tells us that this place was in a place called Bethesda. Uh, or Bethsaida, and so they go over to this place, but people can look and see it. It's only three or four miles away, and they're watching where the boat is going. And when they get over to where the boat is, or when they, when they, land, when they dock the boat, the people say, hey, we can get there. And so they just start following where they are. And the Bible says, and Jesus, when he came out, that is when he came out of the boat, uh, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Father, help me to communicate this story uh, to your people. And, and Father, I, I pray that you'll help me to uh, explain it in a way, Father, that's totally understandable and where we can apply it to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're only halfway through the story, but I want to I look at some things that we've already looked at. Number one, I want you to see this, that we're learning from Jesus, our example. I want you to see this, that Jesus wants to hear from us. In verse 30, the Bible says that, that they, they, they're coming back to him after this journey of, of out being, preaching and teaching and seeing God do some stuff. He, they come back to give account to Jesus. I, several things in your notes. I want you to take note of this. He was, he was there to welcome them. He was there to, to welcome them. He wanted them to report back to him. Sometimes we can get tired and think, I have to, or, or we hear and we get used to people and, and it's easy, it can get easy to us to say, uh, listen, I don't want to be disturbed right now. Jesus was always willing to receive, and he's always willing to receive us. He wanted to hear what they did, and the Bible says they, they reported to him what they did and what they taught. I think that's very interesting. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. One of these days you will answer to God for what you did and what you taught. That should be an awesome motivator in our life. What we did and what we taught. I I think this, that we should be careful never to do anything that you wouldn't want to report to him. Uh, I, 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 was, I was 10 years old when my dad passed away, but I can remember thinking, if my dad finds out about certain things, I'm going to get in huge trouble. I can remember one day, my, my uh, friend and I, Frank, were out 
in the desert. Out, right out in back of our yard, there was, uh, uh, there was a huge desert, and they were building things out in that desert. And, and construct, I don't know why construction people do this, but there was heavy equipment that was out there, and there were keys that were left in that. I was, like under, I was like nine years old. I was under 10 because my dad died when I was 10. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I, I was supposed to be in my room, but I had gotten out of my room. And me and Frank were out in the desert. We were playing. Well, there was, this, there was a great big grater that was, uh, that was parked. And it was parked, and it was heading towards my friend Jerry's house. Now, uh, we were out, Frank and I were out there, uh, messing around, and, and he said that if you took a potato and you stuffed it in the exhaust pipe of that, uh, that machine, and then you started up that machine with that key that was left there, that it would just, it would pop that potato and go flying. And I thought it would not happen, so I was, I, I didn't have a potato, but he said, well, well, he said, you know, you can just start those things. I said, it just won't start up. He said, yes, you will. It, it will. And so I got in that thing, and I cranked it, and it started. Well, it was in gear, and I knew nothing about gears. I knew nothing about everything. It started, and it started shaking. And then it started moving forward, and it just kept moving forward and kept moving forward. And I thought, now what, do I, what am I supposed to do? Frank said, you need to turn it off. I said, I don't know how to turn it off. And, uh, and it just kept moving forward and kept going and kept going and kept going, and it was heading towards Jerry's house and it was moving and I couldn't stop it and I thought what am I going to do I thought man my dad's going to find out I don't care about Jerry's house getting wrecked I care about the fact that dad's going to kill me for doing it and man I I thought what are we going I jumped off of the I jumped off of the tractor and it just kept moving forward I thought I got to get out of here and me and 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 uh me and Frank ran to our house, and I said, Frank, you go home. I went to my window. I opened the window from the outside. I crawled through the window because if Dad found out that that had happened, I wanted him to know I was in the room the whole time. Why? Because I was going to give an account to my dad. Now, I don't ever know what happened. People, I, I told my kids that. They said, what happened? I, don't, I have no idea. I just know my dad didn't find out about it, and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm glad. Now, uh, listen, one of these days, you're going to give a report to, to our Heavenly Father. You're going to give a report to Jesus, they, just like they did, of what we did. We better be careful that we don't do anything we don't want to report to him. Secondly, be careful never to teach anything that is not from his word. You know, there's people that stand up and emphatically say this and that and, and this is what right and this is wrong, and yet there's no scripture to substantiate it. Jesus said, or James said this, he said, My brethren, be not many masters, that is, teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. It's a heavy responsibility to teach the Word of God. Now, we ought not fear teaching the Word of God, but we need to understand it is a heavy responsibility. In Matthew, Jesus said this. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 6, it says, but I say, Jesus said, But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Man, as I began, uh, uh, the, the, the longer I've ministered, the more I've realized I'm going to have to answer to everything that I teach. That's why I want to make sure that what we teach is from the Word of God and that I'm sharing with you truth. People will say, you know, I've been thinking about this, and man, if you, if you put this with this and this and you add this together, it could possibly be saying, and I think, man, that I don't, I'm not teaching that way. What we're looking at is what the Bible says, and we're going to see what the Bible says and do what the Bible says. Uh, if, if I tell you something that I think, I'm going to tell you. I think. This is what I think, but I'm not going to tell you. Uh, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to teach you something that, I th that some, somebody comes up with, some speculation here or there. I'm supposed to teach you the Word of God, and one of these days, I'm going to answer to God for everything I teach out of this book. That's why it's so important that we understand what the book says, and that we can explain it, and that we are, are clear about it. Uh, we, uh, uh, 
the first thing that I see in this is that, is that the disciples are going to Jesus. Jesus is willing to receive them. And, and when, he, when, he did, when he did receive them, he heard what they taught. He, he talked, they, ta- they told him what, he, uh, what they had done, and we will too. Second thing I, I think is this, that it, it was, he was excited for them to come back, and he was excited for them to share what was on their hearts and what their minds and what they had done with their life. When I think about that, I think this, that we should be excited to receive those who are answerable to us. We should be excited to hear those who God has brought to us. Sometimes we can get exhausted, we can be tired, and, and not willing to hear. You say, like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about, like, your spouse. You should be you should be excited, and your, your spouse should know that you're excited to hear what she has to say, what, what, what's gone on in their life. So oftentimes we can take for granted those that are closest to us, and we can, we can actually treat them in a very disrespectful manner. We should be, as parents, anxious to hear what our children have to say to us. I have had parents say, my kids never talk to me. That is... I don't think that's ever been the case in our, in our home. And I think one reason is because maybe not necessarily me, but my wife has always had an open listening ear, willing to hear. Uh, and, and when you're willing, when children know that you are there and you care about them and you're willing to listen to them, they won't shut you out. Now, there will be times when they get older that they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing, like running tractors into their friend's house, and they're not going to want to talk about those things, and they're going to be hiding those things. But listen, if you are open to receive them and they know that you're open to receive them, they'll want to talk to you. They'll want to share with you. Uh, I love it. My grandkids will come in my office and just start talking and, uh, and, and, and telling me what's going on in their life. You need to let, you need to let yourself receive truth from your, from your employees. If you're an employer, listen to your employees. Listen to what they, they're there for your benefit. You should have an open and listening ear to your coworkers, listening to them. And I'm not talking about listening to them gripe about what's going on in the, in the, in this, in the uh, uh, company, but listen to them. Your ministry leaders, if, you are a, if, you are a, if you're involved in ministry, you should be listening to fellow uh, 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 ministry workers. We are here to encourage one another. We should, in, we should do everything we can to do that. In Proverbs chapter 25, the Bible says this in verse 11, that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. We should be there encouraging people and listening. When your children come to you, when your spouse comes to you, when your, when your employees come to you, we need, we need words of encouragement. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says, listen, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. I think that as these people came back to report to Jesus, Jesus said, oh, it's good to hear that. Oh, well, what happened here? Well, what happened there? Well, tell me, uh, did you, uh, tell me about that. You know, you mentioned something. Uh, Tell me more about what was going on with that. People want to to talk to somebody who's genuinely interested in their lives, and we should show that. Never, never treat those who, who serve with you or under you as though their coming to you is inconvenient. Jesus was there, and he received them and encouraged them and lifted them up, and that's why they wanted to be. When you come to Jesus, he's always there. Isn't that amazing? You can come to the Lord. This is the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that's in control of everything, and you have the privilege of going. In fact, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Peter said, cast your cares upon him, for he'll care for you. He's ready to hear you, ready to receive you. If he's our example, that should be how we live, ready and willing to receive those and minister to those now at the same time jesus knows our weaknesses 
Jesus knows that we are frail. Jesus knows humanity. In fact, the Bible says he became a man so he could know how we feel, so he could know our hurts. He could suffer along with us so he could understand what we went through. And so it's, it's very fascinating to me that in verse 31 and 32, he says, after they've reported to him everything that's gone on, Jesus says to them, Jesus encourages his disciples to get away and get rest. I am by nature a workaholic, and here's why. I like what I do. I like every, I love being involved in ministry. People say, hey, you're traveling. Doesn't, doesn't it get exhausting? Yes, everything gets exhausting. But I love doing what I do. I love travel. I like, I like seeing different areas of the country. I love uh, ministering to people on a one-on-one on -on -one basis. I love interacting with other pastors. I love doing that. You know what I also love? I love coming back to Las Vegas, Nevada. I love being in this church. I love, I had an opportunity to talk to Joe and Regina. I haven't talked to you as much as I did tonight for months, if, if ever. I got an opportunity to just interact. I love interacting with people. I love ministry. I like, I like winning people to Jesus Christ. I love, I love Rom. Rom, Rom Ribeiro came here. Uh, this was one of the first churches that ever took him on. I couldn't believe it was 30 years ago. Man, time flies. Uh, I can remember he was just like 23 years old, 24 years old. He came in here and we talked and... Uh, uh, and, and I got to know him, and uh, we've, we had been supporting his father-in-law for many years and, and uh, have been supporting him now for 30 years. Can't believe seven different churches doing a great thing. Um, uh, I, I love working with missions. I've been down and seen the works that he's done. When he says he's built churches, these are beautiful churches. They're, they're, he's done a great work, and they're, doing, they're continuing to, to do a great work. I love doing that. I love being involved in ministry, and so much so that the first two years of ministry, I was so busy going and going and going, I was driving my wife nuts, and I didn't even realize it. And she was just exhausted. I was wearing her out. Uh, I, but I, I love it. My, I said to my wife, one day we would take, we always took off on Monday. And so one day I said to my wife, uh, I said, you know what? Uh, I love doing what we do. She said, me too. I said, wouldn't it be fun just to go out soul winning on Monday too? And she said, David. And she pulled me back into reality. Uh, and I had a good friend who sat with us and said, look, uh, you need to understand, you have to, and, and I learned this very young in ministry, you have to think about your wife. You have to think about your children. And, uh, and you, have to, you have to give time. You have to work as hard at ministering to your family. And this really helped me. You have to work as hard at ministering to your family as you do to everyone else. And I thought, wow, that's a reality. And that was a real reality check, and I learned that. I'm so glad that somebody was bold enough to t say that to me. Jesus encouraged his disciples to get away and rest. They're in full-time ministry, and, he, and he, he encourages them to get away and rest. He said, let's depart into a, into a, uh, a uh, desert place. This is a, a map of Israel specifically showing uh, where the Sea of Galilee is. Up on the top left-hand corner, I think we got to, no, let's see. Let's go back here. Uh, the top of the Sea of Galilee, is they were in Capernaum. Capernaum is right here, right here. They went, he said, let's get away. When he said, let's get away into a desert place, he was talking about this place called Bethsaida. We know that because Luke says they got away into a desert place beside Bethsaida. And so they went from here to here. Now, that is only three to four miles. So they got in a boat here and start traveling over here. And, they, and the people from Capernaum could stand there and watch them. Now, there's a group of people there. They're all around there in this city. And they're taking off and they go over to Bethsaida. They could watch what they were doing and that's why they were able to follow over to Bethsaida. Now, this is a picture of Bethsaida in, uh, in uh, today, the ruins of Bethsaida. And I, and I wanted to show you that picture because that picture shows that 
what he was talking about, a desert place. He wasn't saying out in the desert, but in a place where that, that was uninhabited so they could go out there, they could camp, they could be alone, they could spend time together. This is on this side of Bethsaida that would, would be the Sea of Galilee, but they, take, they could get away and people watched them as they docked the boat. Now, they didn't even get to get out of the boat, uh, the Bible says. These people beat them over there. They got over there. Now, these people obviously are tired. Jesus said, Jesus said, let's get away. Let's get away and rest. Uh, but when they got away, the people got away with them. And all these people came around them. I want to mention a couple of things very important, and that is that God ordained rest. God ordained rest. In your notes, we've put Genesis chapter 2. I want you to see this. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. On the seventh day, God ended his work. This is God Almighty who doesn't need rest. So the only reason he's doing this is an example for you and me. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And listen, he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had made. Let me ask you, I just said this, but did, did God need rest? You can answer, okay? And, and the answer is no. Did God need rest? No, God didn't need rest. Why did he rest? He rested so that you and I would know what we're supposed to do. He rested on the seventh day. God blessed them the seventh day and sanctified it because that, that in it he rested from all of his work which God created and made. God said, listen, you need rest. And I'm going to be an example to you. Even in the creation, he rests the very first three verses of the second chapter after he's finished creating everything he rests for an entire day psalm 127 verses 1 and 2 says this remember this and this is hard for workaholics to grab okay it says except the lord build the house they labor in vain that build it except the lord keep the city the watchman waketh but in vain it is vain to you for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. He's saying, I know that some of you, by the way, some of us have the opposite problem, we'll rest all the time. Uh, but God's saying here, you need to understand God's given you this whole principle of the Sabbath day rest. God wants us to take that time to rest. As I learned that from counsel from my friends early on in ministry, I, we decided, we, we determined we were going to take that seventh day and we were going to rest. And it wasn't on Saturday, it wasn't on Sunday, because on Sunday we work harder than, than we do the rest of the week. The, the, but, but there needs to be that principle of the Sabbath rest in your life. Uh, the Old Testament the Old Testament is filled with uh, days of rest. We call them feasts. They, they had feast days. They had a, and they, they were holidays, what we would call holidays. Uh, it's so important that we take time and we enjoy one another. I love this time of year because Thanksgiving's coming and, and we'll just have fun with your family and enjoy one another. Uh, they're, they're, Christmas is coming. There'll be time off for people. You'll be able to take time off. In the midst of all the craziness of the holidays, if you don't have some time set aside to rest, you need to. You say, I just can't do it. You, yes, you can. And if you don't, then you're going to find yourself in rest, in a bed, in a hospital someplace, or in a coffin. Uh, so I would tell you that the Old Testament was filled with people. We need vacations. We need breaks from work in order to be attentive in order to be attentive to the things that we're doing, to be effective in what we're doing, and to be attentive to people that are around us. We also need time to renew intimate relationships. God doesn't give you a whole huge group of people that are your intimate friends. 
He's given you, if you're married, he's given you your spouse. You might have two or three or four intimate friends. You have your children. You need time away with them in order to build relationships with them. You have to set time aside to be uh, with people. Uh, and and uh, in, in that area, employers do well to get away with your employees, to get away and just spend time encouraging employees. Pastor Matt just recently took uh, the deacons away to a deacon's retreat to spend time with them because we need as ministry workers to encourage one another. Uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon, the, the, uh, some parents from LBA will put on a staff lunch here. And there'll be a, every, uh, the auditorium will have tables set up and, and they'll put on a staff lunch. Why do we do things like that? We do that because time away from work to enjoy one another is so, so important. Families do well to take time together alone. Your, your wife, your wife needs a date. If she hasn't told you that, let me tell you that for her. She needs a date. You, you just to take her away and where you're spending just time with her. If you have children at home, you say, I have, we have too many children. That's why your wife needs a date. Uh, she needs you to take her away. And you say, well, I don't know who's, who's going to watch the kids. Well, you should pray and ask God to help you with that. But God, you, she needs that. The Bible says husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. The Bible tells us that Jesus took his bride away. Uh, your kids need your involvement in their life. Intimate time with your children, getting away with your children. You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You can't do that unless you're spending time with your children. Uh, Pastor Matt just got back from a trip with his family just to have fun in Southern California with his family. Your, uh, by the way, your parents need your visit. If you're an older, uh, if you're older, uh, and, and, your, and your parents are older, your parents need uh, your, a visit. The Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Just, just some examples of people who are close to you, they need that time alone. You can't do that unless you get away and rest. Now, so Jesus was somebody who, who number one, was willing and, and uh, open to receive people. We ought to be that way. We ought to be there, willing and ready to minister to those that God has placed under us. Number two, Jesus, had, Jesus cared about those he ministered with, and he said, Let, you need rest, and he encouraged them to have rest. Look at verses 33 through, and 34. Uh, I read this just a minute ago, or a few minutes ago. The Bible says, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and he was moved with compassion. So he comes, he doesn't even have an opportunity to get out of the boat. He gets out of the boat, the people are already there. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. At this point, Jesus is tired. The disciples are tired. They got away from the crowd so that they could rest. But at this point, they're surrounded by people again. Jesus didn't shoo them away. He had compassion on the multitude. He, he had compassion on them. And the Bible says, and when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. I want you to see again the picture. Uh, Jesus had compassion on the multitude. They're, they're there. This, again, is another picture of the outskirts of Bethsaida where where they were, and uh, th these people are now all over this area. Uh, they're, they haven't got a chance to break away from them. So what happened? Uh, they followed the boat. As I've already said, I got a little ahead of myself. They followed the boat. Uh, Jesus was tired, just like his disciples was were tired. Jesus came out of the boat, and when he comes out of the boat, he sees them. He has a shepherd's heart. He looks at them and he says, man, they're like sheep. They have nobody to care for them. They have no one to feed them. 
They have no one to teach them. And so what did he do? He taught them, the Bible says, many things. He taught them many things. While he's tired, while he's exhausted, while he needs rest, and I think that after this he would get some rest, but he takes time. He takes time to teach them. I want you to see very specifically, the Bible says, and he taught them many things. He didn't taught them, teach them everything. You'll never get everything from Jesus that he has to teach you. That's why you just keep going to him. Uh, we need to keep coming back to Jesus over and over and over again. But I want you to see this, that he met their spiritual need. Jesus met their spiritual need. He saw what they needed, and he thought, I'm going to take time to give it to them. Now, Jesus sees us as sheep, and when we come to him, he'll meet our needs if we're just open with him. And if that's true, listen, if that's true, when his sheep come to you, you need to reflect his love and you need to meet their needs. It's amazing that all around us there are hurting people. There are people that are all around us and, and there are times that we're just tired of ministering to people. But we need to always be there. I was driving home one night when our kids were younger, we were driving between here and, uh, and our house, which was over in Spring Valley. We drove straight down Rainbow Boulevard, uh, and on, on the way back there, and I've told you this before, there was a Walmart. And that thing was like a curse to me, because we'd drive by, and then my wife would say, would remember, oh, we need something, and she would say, oh, can we stop at Walmart for a minute? You never stop at Walmart for a minute. I would say, let's go into 7-Eleven, because you can stop at 7-Eleven for a minute. But she would say, oh, milk is twice the price at 7-Eleven as Walmart. I know, but it's worth it. Uh, it's worth it just to stop for a minute, because I know I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to buy like eight things and, or more, and, and we're going to have a basket full of stuff, and I'm going to be broke, and, and, and I don't want to stay in there that long. And so we're driving by, and uh, she said, oh, honey, can we stop at Walmart for a minute? I said, uh, yes. And so I, I pulled in. I pulled in, and when I pulled in, I, I, I parked the car. And when I got out of the car, I realized, I, we're parking next to this car. This car right next to us has got a flat tire. And I thought, oh, quick, let's get inside Walmart before somebody comes out and that's flat tires needing fixed and then I gotta be a Christian, right? And I gotta help them and I don't wanna do that right now. I, don't, I just wanna get in and uh, maybe we should move the car. And uh, uh, that's what I was thinking. And, and we, I, I said, quick, let's go. let's go. Let's get inside, let's get inside. And as I'm walking into Walmart, a lady from our church comes out and says, oh, pastor, oh, God sent you. And I thought, oh, no. She said, my car is right next to your car, and I have a flat tire. And I said, oh, isn't God good? <laughs> I didn't want to fix her tire. I didn't want to see her. If I'd have known she was from our church, we would have been gone. You say, that's not very Christian. I know. I'm just saying that was, I, was, I didn't want to do anything at that point. And so we changed the tire, and we did the whole thing, I, and uh, we did the whole thing. Uh, and I really wasn't in the mood or the spirit, but I'm telling you this. Uh, God puts us in places where people have needs. And you know what happens in times like that? God energizes you, and God gives you the ability. If you'll just say, okay, Lord, I'm here as your servant. God wants us. God wants us to be used. The question is, do we want to be used? I want you to see the rest of the story now. Now, remember, they're all tired. They're all worn out. And they've served all day long. They came over there to get rest. These people followed them. They didn't ask them to follow them. They just showed up. And they haven't stopped. And so the Bible says this. Look at the rest of the story. Verse 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. And, and now the time is far spent. We're out here where you wanted us to be, and they've, they've come, and it's been a long time. Send them away. 
That's a solution. Send them away that they may go into the country round about. There's, they can go to Bethsaida. They can go to other little towns round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Here's a good way to get rid of them. Tell them they're going to be hungry if they stick around. Get rid of them. Tell them go and eat. And he answered them and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. Oh, no, let's not send them away. You feed them. I have said to my wife from time to time, I'm bringing home a few, uh, uh, it would be all right if I bring a couple of guests home tonight. And my wife will say, oh, oh, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. I've said, I'm going to have some friends come over uh, and we're going to just uh, like play some game. And she said, David, we don't have anything. Because we didn't have anything. We had popcorn. Uh, I said, let's make some popcorn. and pop That's okay. I'm going to tell them to bring pop. Ladies don't do that. They, and, and I didn't know that very young in, my, in our ministry. So, so she said uh, uh, th that would happen. I have never said, honey, we're going to have 15,000 guests over uh, in just a few minutes. Jesus looks at his disciples and they say, hey, these people are hungry. We need to send them away so they can get something to eat. And Jesus said, no, no, why don't you just feed them? That wouldn't go over too well. He said, you just feed them. He didn't say, I'll feed them. He said, give them to eat. You take care of the need. And they say unto him, okay, so then he starts figuring out how's this going to happen? What are we going to do? And they say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Is that what you want us to do? Just take all of our money and go and, and buy them food? He said unto them, how many loaves have ye? God doesn't need you to stretch yourself. He just wants what you have. How many loaves have you? When you know the story from Luke, we find out that there was a little boy who had a little lunch with him with five loaves and two fishes. Here we're just told they said we have five loaves and we have two fishes go and see or and, and when they and when he knew they said five and two fishes we have five loaves and two fishes and he commanded them to all sit down by companies upon the green grass so he says okay and he's going to teach them a lesson we can take care of it and you can take care of them if you come to me because i'll do something for you that only you can do. Now, I love this because they got to see something. The Bible says, now, at the end of the day, they're exhausted, they're tired, everybody's supposed to be getting rest, and they got none. He commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. Note this, he didn't set them down, he didn't put them in companies, he said, this is what you guys are going to do. You're going to feed them, and this is what you're going to do. You have them all sit down. You put them in companies of 50, and you put them in companies of, of 100. And they sat down in ranks of 100 and by 50s, and then once they did what he told them to do with the crowd to get them ready, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up into heaven and he blessed them. The word blessed means he spoke well of them. It's the word we use for eulogize. We use eulogies at, at, a, at a funeral to tell how great something is. He's saying he, he blesses them. That means he spoke ab well about the bread. What is he saying? It's saying that he said that God, you gave us this bread, and, and this is wonderful bread, and you've given this to us, and God, I know you're going to use it to, to feed these people. So he speaks well about the bread, and he breaks the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples to set before them, and, and the two fishes divided he among them. So he's breaking up these two fishes, he's breaking up this, this bread, and he gives it to them. And the Bible says, and... Um, and they did all eat and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and, and of the fishes, and they did eat of the loaves. And they that did eat of the loaves, now listen to this, were about 5,000 men. In Luke it tells us, plus women and children. So it's not just 5,000. There's probably 15,000 people there. So what do we learn from this, okay? Uh, that, that, that Jesus used his disciples to meet the physical needs of others. 
I want you to take these notes, and we're going to go through this very quickly. There was, uh, there was a real need, a real need. The disciples' solution was to send them all away. Just, just make them go. Jesus' solution was you feed them. You take care of the need. The disciples' solution, by the way, would have worked. Do you understand that? The disciples said, do this. It would have worked. Get, get rid of them. First of all, we're going to get rest. <laughs> and number two, uh, there is a place they can go. They're, they're not that far away. They can go from this place to another place, and they can get food. But if they would have done what the disciples said, they would have missed out on three things. Number one, they would have missed out on the opportunity to be used of God. And it is always, we need to remember, it is always an opportunity. It is a blessing. It is a privilege to be used by God. Anytime you have an opportunity to, to give a track to somebody, anytime you have an opportunity to witness to somebody, anytime you have an opportunity to feed somebody in the name of Jesus, anytime you have an opportunity to fix somebody's tire in a Walmart parking lot, it's an opportunity to show Jesus, for Jesus to shine through you. They would have missed out on the opportunity to be used of God. Number two, they would have missed out on the opportunity to help others. There's a blessing. I'm telling you, after I fixed the tire, and I feel, I, you feel like the lady said, thank you. Oh, you're, you're sent of God. You think, wow, yeah, I got to be used. Better that than just going home and filling your head with whatever you're going to watch on TV that night. It's a, it's a, it's, there's a joy about that. And, but here's the biggest deal. They would have missed the opportunity to see a miracle of God. Can you, realize, can you imagine how, how jazzed they were when they're bringing back when they're bringing back 12 baskets full of bread and fish, man, it's amazing. They would have missed out if they would have done it their way, but they didn't do it their way. They waited for Jesus to tell them what to do, and then they did what God told them to do. They only saw, uh, they only saw their resources and, uh, uh, and relied on their own wisdom. If they would have just said, ah, this is me, uh, this is my we've got to do it my way, they would have missed out on everything. Jesus asked them to give him what they had, which was just five loaves and two fishes. That's it. God didn't ask them, God didn't ask them for, uh, go get more bread. He didn't say, go out and you scrounge. He, you didn't do, he didn't do any of that. He just said, very simply, give me what you have. And when they gave him what they had, he increased what they had. And that's the way it is. When we give God what we have, when we say, okay, God, I'm limited in what I have, but here you have it all, he can use it. So what happens? How, how does this work? Very important that you see how this works. He commanded the disciples to direct the crowds. The disciples had to do the work. They had to sit them down. They put them in groups of 50s. So they did the work. The disciples obeyed. Very important. And then the crowd obeyed the disciples. And that set, that set the stage for the miracle to take place. If the crowd would have said, we're not, there were people said, what, we're just sitting down here. There's five loaves and two fishes. Maybe some people did. Think about it. The people that said, hey, this is crazy. I'm leaving. Uh, maybe some did, I don't know. I just know this, the crowd that obeyed and those that did what God told them to do, those that said, okay, we're just going to trust whatever he says, they, they want out. Proverbs says this, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Okay, he said, he said sit them down. He said, put them in crowds of 50. He said, for them to stay there, that we were going to feed them. He told us to take this, this loaf that he's put in my hand and this fish and distribute it amongst these 5,000 people? <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you take the bread and you start distributing it. And there's still more. And there's still more. And there's still more. And you just did, I mean, imagine that. You've got a piece of bread and it just keeps being there. Keeps being there. And it keeps being there. And it keeps being there. And it's just there. And it's just there. And it's just there. And they got to see that. And the fish. 
man, it's growing. And, and you're giving more and more fish out. I, I don't know how that works. I just think, wow, they got to do that because, because they, uh, they obeyed him. They trusted and they obeyed him. He blessed the multitudes uh, at, at, he, or, at, with a meal. He gave them to them. Uh, I already said this. He blessed he means eulogized. He spoke well. That is, Jesus said, this food is from our Father. It's a gift from him. Uh, he praised God for the provision. That's blessing the food. That's what it means to bless the food. And then Jesus broke the loaves. And uh, Jesus gave the loaves to his disciples. And then again, everybody ate. What a, wonderful, what a wonderful story. What a wonderful story. And the story starts off with some disciples who come back, and they're tired, and they tell Jesus, and Jesus says, you need to rest a little while. And, uh, and he takes them away to rest, but they didn't. 5,000 uh, 5, plus men and women and children, or women and children, all fed. So, what do we learn from this evening's lesson? Here's the lesson. Here's the, here's the conclusion. People should feel they can come to you for encouragement because you're a reflection of Jesus. Jesus is our example. People should feel like they should be able to come to you for encouragement. Number two, people need to be encouraged to rest. People need to be encouraged to rest. We learn that from the Lord Jesus. And then people need your compassion. There are times that you're not wanting to give compassion. You just need to say, Lord, strengthen me. Because people need you. People need you. And people need me. But we're, when we're tired, people still, the needs of people never go away. That's why we need to go away and rest. But we need to understand that God's placed us on this planet not for our enjoyment, not for our self-gratification, but because people need the compassion of Christ. And then you need to allow God to use you to serve others. That's a choice you make. God, I want you to use me. But when, and, and when God uses you, and you're touching people's lives, don't get upset and say, God, why am I so worn out? Understand. Is because God is answering your prayer. He's using you. Let God use you to touch people. Father, help us <clears throat> to take the truths that are here in this uh, story. Help us to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.